Hello and welcome to the MC Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I'm the host and founder of MC Real Estate, which includes its members club for landlords and property investors to come and build profitable property portfolios that completely align with their goals. Okay, I'm doing things slightly differently this week because I'm coming to you fresh off the back of something so freaking awesome that I did last night. And I thought, do you know what? Actually, guys, you need this goodness in your life. Last night, I hosted a property investment decision making clinic. Wow. What I asked for was those people who wanted to attend in person and come and meet with me to submit questions and decisions that they needed to make within their property portfolio. The reason being is that I am so, so, so passionate about getting you out of the trenches of property investment. So down, getting dirty with the things that really take up all of your time and learn how to be the wealth creating asset manager of your portfolio, no matter how many properties you currently have, whether that is one or whether that is a hundred. I firmly believe that we have to make money making decisions. And I do this in the members club all of the time. So what I wanted to do is bring this to you. I wanted you to have a really, 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 really good in-depth look at how you make decisions, what the process is all about, because the minute you make the next best decision for your property portfolio is the minute you get to move forward no matter what. So I am going to play you the recording of last night's decision-making clinic. I never normally do this. Never, ever. But I think it's really important that you listen in, take notes, hear what I have to say, and hear how I chat with other property investors and see that interaction and how we bounce off of each other to make decisions. And then at the end, I have a special announcement, which I think you are going to want to be involved in and you're going to want to hear about. So what are you waiting for? Pen and paper at the ready. Let's get into the decision making clinic. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for coming and joining the decision making clinic this evening. The idea of this came because actually I was getting a lot of emails of people saying, Natasha, how do I make a decision about this? How do I make a decision about that? And so my team and I, we sat down, we put our heads together at the start of the month and we were like, what can we do to help as many people as possible? And so we just started sending out invites to this free event and we are so excited that so many of you decided to come and join us today. We have had your questions through. We are going to be going through um, a lot of them in this session. I'm going to try and get through as many as possible. I have grouped some into certain um, kind of headings so that we can get through a couple at a time. Um, we've got some of the bigger decisions at the end, which we can go through as well. Hopefully we can have a good discussion too. I'm always encouraging that. We'll start in the chat. Um, and as we get through things, we can um, 
we'll unmute everybody when it comes to the end. We can have a good conversation. I've put in the calendar for 90 minutes for this. I always assume that we're going to get done much quicker. I do try and um, move things along because I appreciate for a lot of you, you've probably been on a lot of webinars and Zoom meetings recently. And um, I don't want to keep you any later than you need to be. But at the same time, sometimes we run over. So I want to make sure that we've got plenty of time in the diary. Um, Lorenza is here from Team NCRE. I know that some of you came in um, later. She will be moderating <coughs> everything in the chat, making sure that I see everything, because sometimes I don't. Sometimes things just go um, a lot quicker than I, I anticipate in the chat box. <laughs> so, yeah, so any questions along the way, um, I'll take a note of them and um, we can also deal with them at the end. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of time for Q&As. It's going to be good time for discussion throughout. One of the good points about getting as many people together as possible is that you also get to have that chat in the chat box. Sharing ideas is part of being in the property industry. We learn from each other, we see what other people are doing and we get together and we share those ideas because we all have different circumstances we all have different things going on everybody's investing in different types of properties um, and everybody has different situations every single property has something very unique to it um, and certainly even I this morning had to phone my solicitor up and be like Nashita something crazy has gone on and if anybody's been following my Instagram stories recently you know that we've still got ongoing dispute with this leasehold tribunal that although it concluded didn't conclude because it's just been completely torn up and we're going back again so it keeps moving forward it's not something that I've ever seen before I did just assume as I've seen previously that leasehold tribunal ends when leasehold tribunal ends it hasn't because I assume the managing agents are making things up as they go along. So we continue. So sharing that with other people also helps you guys with what you're doing. And the same as everything that's shared here helps other people as well. What we will get to is that there is not one size fits all for everybody. There never is. As a surveyor, I may come up with something really ingenious i think yeah that's the most innovative thing that i've come up with ever be very proud of myself walking around like yeah i know what the score and another surveyor will come along and say natasha but have you looked at it from this point of view and i'll go oh now you're putting a different dynamic into the mix so it's also a case of thinking about things thinking about things innovatively and as you'll find out as we go through this that there's no one perfect decision. There's no one perfect option because we're dealing with properties. We're dealing with people. People change their minds about things. You can go into a property and find something completely different happens. And guess what? That's all completely fine because we get to change things as we go along. So as we go, yes, you're allowed to ask questions. Yes, you're allowed to make comments. Please do share. I would love that. And hopefully we'll have a bit of fun as well. So if you've not met me before, hi, I'm Natasha. Um, I'm a property investment strategist, kind of the global term from it, but really it's an asset manager. Um, I look after people's assets. I look at what the best next step for that person is to get them to their goals. How do we get you from here 
to your goals. And this is something that I have done for since 2010. I was head of asset management for huge portfolios in London. I ran an NHS portfolio. I ran the commercial estate for Sloan Stanley. I ran a couple of hedge fund pro property portfolios. I did Grosvenor, TFL. I was on a lot of estates. And the fabulous thing about that is that I got to see a lot of properties. And during that time, I also got to grow my own portfolio. And that started by one of the um, heads of the NHS trust that I was working for saying to me, Natasha, you do this well for us, do it for yourself, go and do it for yourself. And that's where all of this started. So as I've said, I'm a chartered surveyor. Um, I'm a general practice chartered surveyor, I specialized in commercial real estate practice, which also came with residential. So I do mixed use. Um, and the reason that that happened was because I was chucked into the deep end as a young 21 year old and told give it a go on the residential portfolio and then the commercial fell in and everything kind of snowballed from there. I do lease advisory for any of uh, my members who are in here right now, you know, I love reading a lease, absolutely love reading a lease, have a look through them, see what's going on, how can we use that to our advantage? And then I remember them like an elephant. So I know that sometimes I've said to people, I remember that that's in your lease and you go, oh, Natasha, how do you know that? seemingly just taking that information um, and I'm a university lecturer at the University College of Estate Management. I do the undergraduate, postgraduate property management modules and of course I am the founder of NC Real Estate, my pride and joy which is the place for landlords and property investors to buy and build profitable property portfolios that completely align with their goals. That is me, that is what I do, I spend all of my working days chatting property investments chatting commercial residential strategy it's seriously something that i am incredibly passionate about and love a good chat about so i'm glad that we're doing the decision making clinic today so in this webinar i'm gonna i mean we're calling it a webinar dropping decision making clinic you know what are we going to go through well we're going to start with what an asset manager actually actually does and why you need to become this in your own property portfolio. It's not just about buying a property and sitting on it. So we're going to start at the beginning and what we need to be looking about. Um, I kind of look at it as like you plant a seed when you buy a property. As the asset manager, we're constantly watering that seed, going out, talking to our plants or talking to our properties. Joke, but, you know, similar. Um, and we put love on this property portfolio, we make it grow, and I'll talk through how we do that. We'll look at how to make the right decision and stop wasting time knee deep in analysis paralysis. We've got portfolios to grow, we don't need to be stuck around thinking, oh my gosh, what next? Um, then we'll look at how to make the right decision in your property portfolio. Um, and at the end of this masterclass, uh, I'm hoping you'll no longer be in the dark. And if you are, keep asking questions until you're not in the dark anymore. That's the whole idea of us being here. Okay, Oop. moved a little bit too fast. Okay, let me start with my whole idea around how we should be looking at property. And this is 
something that I was very proud to design, sat down one evening, put it all together. I was like, yes, this is what we should be looking at. I want you to focus on your properties as moving assets. So I want you to think about how can you keep this property growing over the hold period? Now, the big disclaimer is that I don't expect you to know how to do it from the start. I just want you to have a general idea of how do you keep that property growing? That's both the rent and the value. And I put together this diagram and I did put this out on social media. So maybe you've seen it this week, but if not, don't worry, let's go through it. So essentially you look at a property and you think, oh, this could hit my goals. And we never know for certain at that point when you find a property, but yeah, this could hit, hit my goals. And then you start getting inspiration around it. What could I do with it? I mean, here I did it about residential. So add a garage, convert to flats, modernize, you know, but you could also think, oh, there's a tenant in here and I want to switch that tenant around. Or maybe there is scope to, I don't know, increase the rent throughout because you've noticed that the rents are incredibly low. Perhaps the current landlord hasn't bothered for years and they were, all they wanted was an easy life up to retirement. They're now going to dispose of whatever it is and you're the person who gets in there and ups the rent. Essentially, you've just got ideas and inspiration for this property. How over the time do you see you could get stuck in and add value to it? Then you think, okay, well, this seems like a great property. It's creating a good net yield, or at least it has the potential to from the start. It's a good price with potentially, with the potential to sell at a higher price, bearing in mind that we're not looking at these for as a flip for the next six months. We're looking at this for the long term. So we're thinking, oh, okay, so if market values are around £250,000, I could get this for 200, 210, 220, fabulous. That can go up in value. I could sell it at a higher price. Potentially it's in a fabulous location. Sometimes the location is what counts because you've identified this, um, you've identified this town as, or this city or this area as being the best location. And so you do not mind potentially spending a little bit more money on it because it hits those location goals but potentially it's maybe it's terribly maintained I don't know there may be a downside so what do you do you buy it you think yeah it hits quite a few of my characteristics fantastic I get the six-armed guy maintenance guy out to do a little bit of um, maintenance does maintenance the value goes up the rent goes up and you sit on it for another couple of years. Meanwhile, you're collecting income, you're putting it in savings, you're investing it well, maybe you're growing your portfolio, and you still know that over the next couple of years, you have got the potential to increase the value even more. This one was that you knocked it down, you put it into flats, and you let it out to um, five different families. But that might not be your end situation. For example, you might get halfway down, um, halfway down the line for example the property that I was talking to you about at the start the one that I was on the phone to my solicitor for I'd always bought that because I knew that the market was going to go up and I did a blindingly good negotiation when I first bought it I mean to the extent that I've never been able to negotiate so well again I, I lucked out first time um that now with the current dispute that's going on 
has meant that it's lost value because there is no way that I could sell on that flat at market value with all of the heated dispute that's around it. So we're now in the middle of my hold period for that, that property that I might sell in 10 years time. That was kind of the aim. I was gonna hold it for roughly 20 years and I was gonna um, sell it on when it earned a little bit of money. Right now it's not in a good situation. What the middle of the ground decision now has to be is that I have to get control back from the people who are messing me around. And the only way that I'm gonna do that is having to shell some money out on the right to manage and also a little bit of legal fees to get the managing agent to pay, play ball along the way. Was that what I intended to do when I first bought the property? No. Did it, do I want to intentionally go and get into legal disputes with head leaseholders? No, I don't. But at the moment, the way that that value is going to go up again is actually if I spend a little bit of money, take on the right to manage, then start negotiating to potentially buy the freehold, which is going to take me a little bit of time. And I also want to be very clear on um, what's going to happen going forward with how the enfranchisement process is going to change over the next couple of years. There's not a massive rush today to do that. But that will then again build the value of that property, which means that I'll increase value again. Did I know that that was something that I wanted to do? Potentially, it was in it was in the plan that I was always going to have to at least get the lease extension on it just to create the value when I sold. Did I know how much or when I was gonna do it when I bought it? No, I didn't. It was just in the periphery of things I want to do. So that's what we have to be thinking. Okay, we don't need to do everything right now, but over the period of time of holding this property, how can you increase the value? How can you make that go up? Is there opportunity for you to do that? And if there isn't any opportunity for you to do that at all, I would seriously consider um, why you would be buying that property. We want growth opportunity. <laughs> Brandy said, how do you stay so calm with that leasehold situation? Um, well, after a good 30 minute rant to my solicitor, I then calmed down. <laughs> so no, I don't stay particularly calm. <laughs> so this is what we're looking at with moving assets, growth. And how do we know if there's going to be growth? We cannot predict the future, but we can certainly start brainstorming ideas of how we can add, add value to this property. So here's what I want you to be thinking when we're looking at what property to buy next and decisions that um, you need to be making in terms of your property. Key question, can you move or change the asset over time? Yes, it means you can always keep improving. The property doesn't have to be perfect now. What happens if you bought an imperfect property that you could change? It's quite exciting actually, right? Because that gives you so many opportunities of what to do going forward. So that's what I want you to be thinking. We're not, we're not gonna be doing perfection because we're never going to be getting perfection. And trust me, you could buy a commercial property, which I've done and I've done for many clients and think, yeah, I can improve that lease. And then the commercial tenant knows that they've got a little bit of leverage and they keep negotiating hard, negotiating hard, negotiating hard. And you've just got to keep changing your, your tactic. Or I've done it before where I thought, 
okay, well, let's go up into the loft and do a loft conversion. No, it did not work out. You could only get a studio up there and it was not worth the money that you were going to spend going up there. It was far better going out the back. Did I know that at the time? No, I didn't. But I had this inkling that there was um, options for me to develop. Now, there are ways of being slightly more certain or even far more certain, right? For example, if we want to do a development and we've seen this property that we know there's space that's not used very well. Um, first thing I would do is check the planning portal. Has anybody else done that and been granted permission? Now, maybe that you get permitted development rights and you can go forward with it anyway. I don't know, you need to check that. But could you get out on foot or do Google Street View and see what other people are doing? And if they've done it, well, the possibility for you to do it is also there. And guess what? You don't need to do it immediately. You could buy it. You could save some money. You could then do it in a couple of years time. So keep increasing that value. So there's so many options. And the good thing about property is that it never stays the same. So this is where I want you to start thinking about growth and turning strategic and being an asset manager. It's so vital. Step out of that role of you know, just being this property investor who buys something, keeps it, leaves it alone, doesn't improve on it. And then, you know, you've just got all of these assets. It's always quality over quantity. And that is why when you are looking at the bigger funds, so for the, for example, um, when I was managing the NHS portfolio, the whole point of my asset management strategy was to make sure that we could fund a new heart and lung hospital with that. Now, did they ever do that? Well, it was always in the pipeline and the bureaucracy that went around that. But my job was to make sure that the assets were worth as much as they could be and then sell them off when we thought we got to the top of the market. Would we ever get to the top of the market? Would we ever know where the top of the market is? No, potentially those assets that we sold in 2015 are now more valuable than they were in 2015 and that's okay because for us that worked with what we were doing we could then put the money into other things in fact we turned that whole uh we used a lot of the money to start redeveloping into residential because that was the highest use value at the time but we get to keep changing because that is property so as an asset manager you're number one looking at perimeters of the overall strategy you're getting back to the roots, you're looking at what it is that you want to do, setting those tactics. You're looking at the impact of every single thing that you do. How is that going to impact your portfolio? How is it going to increase growth? Or maybe how is it going to maintain things in a better way, make it easier for you? Sometimes we, I've done it where we've had these properties that are split out into multiple different units and they are a pain in the ass to manage they just are and so then what do we do we put but your units back together and we have one tenant it doesn't work in every situation but sometimes it's far easier you look at sales and acquisitions when do you need to buy you don't need to buy all the time we look at lease renewals rent reviews when are they coming up how can we do it tactically at the moment, um, in the commercial market, commercial tenants really do have the upper hand. If they're good tenants, paying rent, paying service charge, fantastic, you want to keep them. They know that they negotiate with you on that basis. 
Uh, you need to look at assignments. Are your tenants looking to assign? And you'll see that we get that in the residential side of things. We also get that in the commercial side of things. It's more, tends to be more important in the commercial side of things because you could get a completely new tenant coming in and saying, hey, we want this lease. And you as the landlord have to very reasonably look at all of the reasons why you would decline if necessary. You're not actually allowed to decline. Your tenant can sue you on the back of that. So you want to figure out how you can make it work for you as a landlord. In residential, it's slightly easier. You've just got to make sure that the tenant is all right, passes referencing checks. Look at alterations. What can you do to alter space? Um, and then look at rating as well. Rating right now, commercial tenants don't have to pay business rates in England and Wales. Um, that, if you have very expensive business rates, can impact whether a commercial tenant would want to come in and um, occupy your space. But on the flip side, there's also a lot of developers who are trying to reduce the amount of space in um, the commercial unit to reduce the business rates. Shouldn't really be doing that either because commercial tenants don't necessarily want these tiny spaces that are all zone A. They might want a nicer laid out space, a little bit higher business rates, but how do you control the business rates? You don't go for the highest rent in the world. I mean, um, example of this, in South Kensington, I don't know if anybody knows it, South Kensington, off the Brompton Road, you've got Walton Street, you've got um, the Brompton Road at the start, um, a, an investor came in and started buying up the whole of this area. Over the course of two years, the commercial rents doubled. With it, the business rates doubled, which actually meant low tenants could afford to be in this area and they pretty much all moved out or on these very short-term woolly tenancies at will. It's not a good situation to be in. The only tenants that really are down there now are the owner occupiers who've kept hold of the, um, kept hold of the um, units. You don't want your tenants leaving because they're overpaying. So you need to have a look at that as well. And then any other added value activities as well. Anything you can do. I mean, sometimes even marketing for your tenants is an added value activity. So you can put that through the service charge potentially on long lease or um, commercial. And you helping these tenants to survive means that they're going to pay you rent for longer. So we're always looking at growth over the long term and we get to have fun with it. You don't do the boring stuff. If you find something really boring, you're never going to want to do it. Um, uh, not marketing for the tenant who is looking to assign, but marketing in general to get footfall to an area. Potentially, you might not need to do it for every every tenant or every every area. Or you might find that a neighbouring landlord's doing it, in which case piggyback off what they're doing. It's just about looking for the opportunities. If you get this right, you achieve increase in rental value, therefore increase in capital value, which is what we are always after. Okay, let's move to strategy. Is everybody with me? Everybody okay? Fabulous. Oh, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. So let's, let's start looking at strategy and which strategy, and Carol, you asked me, 
how to make a decision. Uh, Caroline, you asked me which, how to make a decision over um, which strategy. And I think that's a really, really good place to start. Strategy is like the backbone of everything. And it is what asset managers do all day, every day. Um, so maybe I'm teaching you how to suck eggs, but the very first thing that you need to look at is your goals. What do your current assets look like right now? And where are the differences between your goals and what things look like currently? That is the first place you start. If you are already bringing in £5,000 net profit per month and your goal was £4,500, I suggest you up your goals. But if you are um, bringing in £2,000 net profit, you want to get to that £5,000, you've got a difference of £3,000 to make up, or maybe you're looking at X amount of assets. You know, whatever it is, it really doesn't matter. Everybody to their own. You know, some people have a goal as well to do this over five years. Some people have a goal to do this over 10 years. Some people have a goal to do it up until the end of their life, pass it down to their children and their children have an asset management strategy as well that they can implement going forward. I really don't mind what your goals are. I really don't. Um, and don't get sidetracked by someone else's goals because someone else's goals are not gonna get you to where you want to be. Everybody does things on an individual basis. So please bear that in mind. It's all very easy to get very sucked in with what other people are doing on social media and start thinking, oh, I'm not as good as them. Hey, it really doesn't matter. Really doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. I just want you to be very certain of what you want to do and what that means to you. Everybody okay with that concept? I hope so. <laughs> We just, we're just dealing with you and your individual situation. So again, start with your goals. What do your current assets look like right now? And what difference are we having to span? That's the first step to your strategy. The next step to your strategy should be fun, but inevitably a lot of people get stuck with it. And I'm, you know, you do you in this situation, seriously have fun with this. You then need to look and forecast the properties that you need to buy next. And really there should be no judgment, no stigma attached around this at all. I'm not, um, it really doesn't matter what you want to achieve here. Let's just put some figures down and have a look at how that looks. I call it building your dream portfolio. How many properties did you want to own? How much income did each of the properties need to make? How much did you need to buy each of the properties for? Essentially, this is just a dream. This doesn't have to be reality. And we can talk about how to make that reality. I just want you to get very, very good at coming up with your ideal property portfolio. Now, I tend to say your gross yield probably shouldn't go anywhere over about 15% because give yourself a little bit of grace of being able to go and find these properties easily. If you want a 20% gross yield, fantastic. I have seen things come to the market, actually once, I saw this once, um, a retail shopping center come to the market at 53% initial gross yield. Doesn't happen that often. Um, so give yourself a little bit of a, a hand with things that you can actually um, go and find. Anything is possible. And if those sorts of properties come to the market again, probably worth a bid, but 
it's very risky because the leases are probably coming to an end in 12 months time. Um, so then I want you to forecast what each of these properties looks like. I mean, ideally, you would hit your goals within another five to 10 properties. That would be something to aim for. Five to 10 properties, less than 15% gross yield, map them out. And you can pluck anything because essentially you can create that out of properties anyway. But I just want you to have a go at just mapping that out. What does that look like? And also, what do you think you would enjoy doing? Because I get overexcited about leases, as I've already told you, it's, I love it. Um, you may think, Natasha, you're so weird. <laughs> That's fine too. Um, I also get used to get involved about, excited about Airbnb and service accommodation. I love that. Um, but I'm not normally on the ground now to manage that like I was previously. So I lost a little bit of kind of excitement about it because I like to be there. I like to be painting things. I like to be designing things. I can't do that quite as much. Um, what or where would you expect residential, residential property to yield at in or around reasonable circumstances? Have a look at an eight to 10% 10, 10 gross yield. It'd be probably all right to find 8%. Give it a go to start off with. Map it out, see what it looks like. Um, so yeah, pick the things that you're most excited about. And also not just the things that seem easy. Because if you're not excited about the things that seem easy, you're not going to do it. So just map out what would excite you and have a think about what type of property excites you. Um, HMO, I was doing that for a little bit. I found that really frustrating to manage. Um, and I'm an asset manager. <laughs> so I do on a day in day out basis, but I like thinking about the strategy and it didn't give me as much time to do that. I also like investing in flats. Um, yes, it's annoying because of these leasehold tribunal things, but if you get it right, fantastic, great investments. I don't tend to invest as much in freehold single house dwellings. That's okay too. Mixed use commercial sets my life, my world on fire. I get super excited. You decide what you want. I'm sure you've seen all the different types of property everywhere. Um, you tell, you tell me what gets you excited and start mapping that out. Then we need to look, and my picture unfortunately is not displaying for some reason. Um, then you need to look at how long you want to do this for. What did you put in your goals? And you honestly get to do this for as long as you want. If you want a strategy that lasts five years, do a strategy that lasts five years. If you want a strategy that lasts 10 years, fabulous. If you want a strategy that lasts 20, 25 years, I know mine lasts, I have forecasted out for the next 35 years. I'm hoping that at some point I have children who can take it over. I'm gonna give them a strategy and be like, you do this and it's gonna grow exponentially. But it doesn't have to be, um, doesn't have to be what anybody else wants. I just want you to um, map this out for as long as, um, oh my gosh, Caroline, I have a friend doing this for a hundred years. Yes, good. 
This is what we should be doing, planning for the future. It's important that you do this because then once you have that, you get to cash flow strategy that portfolio out. So what we start doing is with all, with all of our current properties, we put them in a cash flow strategy. So we put them in, you know, this year I'm buying this and this is bringing in this net income. And then I want to buy X, Y, and Z up to however long you want to buy and when you want to buy it. Put that in your cash flow strategy and that's where you start. Now, every month you may be seeing, oh my gosh, purchase costs for this at 30 grand or purchase costs for this at 50 grand. And I've now in this strategy gone into complete negative. I need to find X amount to keep this strategy buoyant. Fabulous. That then shows you that you either need to do a tactical cash out somewhere. So either remortgage, sell if something's not really working for you, or you need to go and find some cash in. If that's not from your own pocket, then that's where you start finding investors. And then what you start seeing as you map out this cash flow is that you will then know when you can repay your investors, how much you can repay your investors, the interest rate that you pick at you pick for that to happen and you can start plotting that out in the years to come throughout your property portfolio strategy and with that then you can start tweaking the deals to see how much that they can increase in income or they can increase in capital value and when you can start taking money out once you have got that in place you give yourself a shopping list no joke for the properties that you need to buy. And also um, you give yourself a shopping list for the amount of finance that you need to find as well. You need to do this. You need to see what's coming in and going out every single month for the rest of your strategy. Might sound daunting, but trust me, you spend the time on this now, you have a strategy that you can keep tweaking very, very easily. Did you find it hard to, to obtain investors for a residential portfolio? No, not if I can show them when the money is, when I need the money and when it's going out and how much they're getting paid and when. That's why I start cash flowing it out because I can use it as part of my business plan. The biggest thing that you need to always show your investor is how they're going to get their money back, even if they then come and reinvest it with you again. So that moves us on to the part of the strategy where you then need to have a look at, is it a deal? Is a property a deal? How do you know if it's a deal? And I had plenty of questions around how do you make that decision um, from Ray, Alex, Bushra, Rebecca, Jessica, you all asked me some fabulous questions about how do you know if this deal works? That's a great question because you can look at something and analyze it and then think, I don't know if this is right for me or not right for me. And the other thing to realize is that what's right for me is not going to be right for you. So I may offer something on a property and you say to me, Natasha, you offered too low or you offered too high. Um, that's right. If it fits in with my property portfolio, that doesn't matter. So what you'd have found is in the cash in the cash flow strategy, 
you've mapped out how much you need to pay for that property. So let me show you. Aha! Um, these are, this is actually part of the cash flow strategy. This, this part of the spreadsheet. So how do you know if it's a deal? So to start off with, hopefully you love my flowcharts. If you've not seen them before, I use flowcharts for a lot of things because this is how you would really go through the decision-making process. How do you know if it's a deal? Firstly, map out your goals. Well, we've already done that. Tick. Do you know what your goals are for this property? That then moves us on to the um, right side of the screen. And this is where you can either map out current properties you own or dream properties. So you just change it around a little bit. So how I normally do a deal analysis on a property is I start with analysis at market value. What would be the market value of that property today? And to do that, you do have to look at land registry. You have to go and find comps. There is a um, couple of websites out there who provide that for you, some of them paid, some of them not paid for. Your job is to find as much deta detail about that property as possible. Then, so that's then you figuring out roughly what the market value is. Now, market value is subjective depending on the valuer. Um, unfortunately, not every valuer is gonna come up with exactly the same value. Frustrating, I know. Um, can you see a screenshot of this? Hopefully you can see the screenshot here. Is this showing? Oh, <laughs> yeah, you can. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so you can have, um, so you've got the property value, figure out the market value. You then figure out what the rent is on a pound per calendar month basis and you work your deal analysis. Great. So if the, if the deal analysis works at market value, next up, you've got to go back to analysis, purchase price, or what the property is currently mortgaged at, mortgaged at. If you're looking to buy a new property, you want to play around with this figure because you want to bring it down. Really vital. You want to bring that down to something that you can negotiate at. Negotiate at. Now, it may be that the purchase price that it's been listed at, or the asking price, um, is lower than market value. Fantastic, you're not gonna have to negotiate as much. Maybe you've seen a property and market value is 250,000 pounds, and it's on the market for 300,000 pounds. You look at it and you go, yeah, I'm not buying that. Fantastic, you know that they're trying to over-egg it to get higher amount of money, leave it alone. Fine, done, deal done not looking at it. Um, do you think you can negotiate it at £200,000? If you do, phone up the agent and say, hey, would they take an offer? If they take an offer, fantastic. Try and negotiate for around £200,000. What you'll then see that you can do is you can have a look at how much um, cash you can take out of that property on remortgage. Here it'd be £37,500. Essentially, you'd probably do that in two years time. It's not a huge amount of money to be taken out immediately. If you wanted to take it out after six months, fine, but then you have to factor in the cost of bridging or short-term finance, unless you're paying for it in cash. So many different options. Um, so then you can work out, okay, well, 37,500 is the amount that, of cash that I can take out in two years time. Fabulous, maybe then. 
you might want to figure out if you would borrow that as investor finance because you know that you're making the money in the purchase or you assume you're making the money in the purchase and then you can start cash flowing when that money's coming back in. So you borrowed 37,500 from an investor right now. Um, and in two years time, you could pay that back plus interest. Although this deal that I've put here is not that exciting. I would not buy it for £9.92 profit a month. <laughs> Definitely not. But I was playing around with figures. Um, the first one is maybe a bit more exciting at £181.80. Um, but the monthly interest payments here are all at 5.5%. So um, if you could get it lower, fantastic. You can have a better deal. <laughs> so then you... so. What are your goals for this property? Well, you've mapped it all out here. Those are your goals for that property. That's now what you've got to go and try and achieve. So have you checked the mar what market comparables are from the last six months? Is suggesting the purchase price of the property is. Hopefully you've done that. You can put the rough market value in that in your deal analysis. Um, you can look at um, market comparables for the rent as well, just to make sure that you know what you can rent that out for. Do you need to redevelop or renovate this property prior to letting the property out? Yes or no? If no, and it's perfectly fine, fantastic. Um, otherwise, go and get three quotes for works. Ideally, I know sometimes you can just get one quote for works. It's okay, but it's better to get three quotes for works. And then using your worst case figures in your deal analysis spreadsheet, does this hit your goals? Does this get you the net profit per month that you want? And I always work things off of worst case scenarios. So go through all of your expenses, check out what expenses you need and make sure that that hits your worst case scenario. And it hits your net profit per month that you're looking to achieve. Does that make sense? If everything stacks up, it's a deal, buy it. Just remember that it doesn't have to be perfect right now. I've not given you any figures there. I'm instead, I'm, it's, I'm asking you to go out and make the decision about whether it works or whether it doesn't work. Everybody okay? I've been talking a lot. Yes. Fantastic. Oh, my mixed use property slide. Okay, excuse me one second while I get my mixed use property slide up because you're gonna need to see this. this is going to come up for you because I do really want you to see this I don't want to okay so let's get all this you're going to see my lovely screen my lovely desktop okay can everybody see this this is my mixed use strategy deal analysis <laughs> please don't pass out when you see how many figures are in my excel spreadsheets I promise you they're not all that complicated <laughs> can you see them because I was asked, how would you analyze a mixed use deal? 
Okay, so I would mix you steel. Can you see it? Brilliant. Okay, great. How would I analyze a mixed use deal? I would do analyze the commercial and I'd analyze the residential and then I would do a potential valuation accordingly to see how much the value would be. This is very much a um, kind of a fag packet calculation when you start analyzing mixed use properties. But I know Bushra, you asked me this question. So I do wanna, do wanna go through it for you. Mixed use properties, the first thing you, is that's always gonna take you the longest, analyzing the commercial rent. And you need to do that because you need to know how much rental income you need to get in. To do that, you need to go and find comparable evidence on a pound per square foot basis to give you um, what the total rent on a pound per annum basis should be. Secondly, go and do that again with the residential. So you've got um, a total of how much the commercial rent should be at market rent based upon today's comparables, and then how much the residential rent should be based upon today's comparables. Now, you can you then need to go and find out what yields should be on commercial premises. And I've got a 7% yield here. It's a bit low, really, right now, probably be a bit higher. Um, and that would give you the value of the um, commercial if you capitalize on the rental value for the commercial. And then you need to find out what the yield would be for the residential as well. To do that, you're going to phone local investment agents or local valuers and see what they're saying to you. With residential, the one thing that you do need to be aware of, and all of you HMO deal analysis out there as well, um, I know that everybody bets upon a commercial valuation. Even in a residential mixed use scheme, you may not get a commercial valuation. They may just value it based upon bricks and mortar if there is a separate lease in place. So if you've got the freehold and maybe you're buying the long leasehold on a different company, or maybe the valuer just doesn't think there's a commercial valuation attached to the residential elements, so they're gonna give it a bricks and mortar value. It really varies depending on area. It's very big subject to go through everything right now, but just do, um, evaluation based upon what the local yields are and evaluation based upon um, bricks and mortar value and then come out with um, what roughly the best um, the best value or what value it looks like. Um, so here I've done, I've capitalized on the rental value for the commercial at 7%, it's not going to be 7%, um, probably 9 um, See the value that that just wiped off. Um, and rental value residential, I mean, maybe 6%, I'd, I'd probably go seven. Um, and then, but don't, don't hold me to that. It's just me playing around with things. It's what I do, I, I tend to play around with spreadsheets. So then I'd get the value of the commercial for, um, commercial uh, value of the commercial value and the value of the residential value and add them together. Some valuers, and I know some valuers, who combine yields and capitalize based upon a combined yield. If you don't know who you're going to get or what the mortgage lender is going to value based on, but you definitely need to know what market rent is. And then you can analyze based upon market value or rough market value. Um, and obviously it's not going to be 200,000 if the M value is going to be 750, but maybe uh, if you're lucky, that is how I would analyze a mixed use property. Does that is that okay? Did I go through that pretty quickly? Is everybody still following me? 
opponent asleep. So I hope so. Okay. Move, let's move um, on. I don't know what I did to these to make sure that this image didn't come up, but anyway. Yeah, Bushra, the, the commercial yield, the lower the better it is. Yeah, exactly. The lower it is, the better it is, but things aren't getting valued that low anymore, unfortunately. 7% would be great, but it would be quite rare right now with the risk in the commercial market. So let's have a look at raising finance because that's another thing that um, a lot of people asked about raising finance. Um, again, it really depends on what you've got in the bank and how you want to use, um, uh, how, how you want to use the, your finance. So First off, always start with, do you have any cash in the bank? You don't necessarily have to use the cash in the bank. I'm, I know I've said here, use savings. You don't have to as a first, first way of doing things. Um, what you really need to look at is, okay, do I have any assets or equity? Then is it time to remortgage one of your properties? Could you remortgage one of your properties? Maybe, maybe not. Um, can you take enough? money out to, of your property to raise money for a deposit. Yes, okay, great, remortgage, still remortgage anyway, even if you can't. These are things that you need to be thinking about going, going through. Um, do you have a higher than 25% loan to value on your property? Would you feel comfortable having a second charge on your property and buying via short-term finance? Again, probably don't wanna be putting second charge on your property unless you have a lot of, of equity in your property portfolio but you could get additional borrowing there you could use short-term finance always best to speak to your broker do you have a property in your portfolio that no longer works could you sell that to pay for something if that works out and it's tax efficient for you and you've got something you hate get rid of the property use the money to put into another purchase and then you can look to use uh private investments, you use JVs and investors, you can use friends and family. When you're saying you're generally struggling by um, choosing the type of mortgage that you should use, and if that also means um, interest only or capital and interest or repayment, whatever you choose to do, always look at how much it's going to cost you. So what are the costs going to be versus what the opportunity is? Because normally very early on in your portfolio, you're trying to grow at more of a rapid rate than five, 10 years down the line. That is um, something that you need to factor in. So should you be using short-term finance to try and grow quickly? Um, should you be, be trying to find innovative ways of 
finding cash potentially if you can afford to pay it back then have a look at that um interest only is usually what uh buy to let investors tend to use just because it means that um you know you're not repaying back traditionally you could have deducted that from your tax returns but you can't anymore um but it could be a potentially uh savvy way of using things so struggling by the type of mortgage that you need to use all right um cost it out ask your lender what is available to you that's always the best thing what is the thing that's available to you on the property that you found so you've chosen this deal and then have a look at what the um yeah andrew sorry you can when it when it's in a company yes if you're buying a limited company you can deduct your interest from um your profits <laughs> and if sa yes there are there are ways in which you can do that but in general ask your broker what options are available on the property that you want to lend on or you want to get lending on then do a comparison based upon how much it's going to cost you for each and if it's going to cost you any money to get out of and then from there you can make the decision about what is the most um, acceptable for you and remember in the in this mapping things out for a certain number of years you are able to look at actually i want to remortgage this in two year times so two years time so i only want a two-year fix because i want this money back out or i need this money back in six months time so i need to get short-term lending how is that going to happen these are the things that you need to be considering when you're looking at your strategy because that will help you make the informed decision um of how and which type of lending to get remember lending can also be pretty flexible there's always ways to maneuver things around um fern you asked me about buy to let exit strategies and i know we had a conversation um during the week are you still hi if you can still see me if you're still here let me have a look hey fern hello um still here hi fern um you asked me about whether you could still leave investor finance in a deal when you remortgage and yes you definitely can um because you've owned the property for a certain period of time did you manage to get it sorted out with your broker Fantastic. Yeah, so you should be able to get that mortgage and remortgage down to that long term finance, because your investor finance, the little bit that you've got left in will be a deal between you and your investor. Okay. It's definitely possible. Definitely possible. And I'm sure there'd be a lot of lenders out there who'd be looking biting your hand off to lend you on your deal. Finally, I was asked about location and then we can have a look at um, a couple more um, de decisions after this. How do you decide where the right areas are 
to invest and where and what to buy next, HMO, flat, house, etc. decision on focusing strategy in Cornwall. Okay, firstly, where and what to buy next. When you're saying what to buy next, look back at your um, strategy and what you've put in your dream portfolio because that is absolutely vital um, to your next steps. And it could be anything, HMO, flat, house, doesn't matter as long as the deal stacks up. Yes, you might be a specialist in, in certain things. They may be your preferred property. If that is your preferred, preferred property, as I said at the start, definitely go for the things that really, really interest you. If you become a specialist in a certain type of property, fabulous. You know, that is, that is completely um, up to you. How do you decide where the best areas are to invest and should you be focusing in one area? The answer to that is you can invest anywhere, but if you want to focus in the area, be my guest. I think too many people get very hung up on where the right location is. Now, here's the thing. Every single one of us on this call will have investment properties in different locations. It's because it's where either we like the area, we've been to the area multiple times, we've decided it's a good place to invest and there will be pros and cons with every single area. So what you do need to do is just when you're looking for property, just narrow it down to one area where you can afford the types of property that you've put into your dream portfolio. I would also look at demand, footfall, transport, you know, all of these things are really important. Is this an area where people want to live, essentially, or where people want to work? Um, for commercial, I'd also look at tenant mix. What is the local tenant mix? Is this something that um, a commercial tenant would, would want to come to? Do they want to be here? If not, and you're just buying for the sake of buying, maybe not such a great idea. But really think about it. Why would you love an area? Why would you move to an area? And again, that looks really different. But if you start thinking about your target audience and who is going to come and use that property, you could then start knowing what type of location that you want to buy in. For example, if you're looking to buy for a family rather than someone who needs to be in, you know, someone who wants to be in the city center or maybe um, a younger person who wants to be in the city center, you'd be buying different locations. So have a think about that as well. When you're mapping out your properties, think about where is that property going to be? Where does that fit in? And I'm not asking you to look over the whole of the country. If you live in the South, it's look in the South to start off with. There's plenty of places to, to look at. Um, Andrew, the LEP provides a lot of clues as to expansion plans and ambitions of the local authority. Yeah, so if there's development going on or there's going to be regeneration, certainly have a look into that. Um, follow the big investors as well. I know that British land always have some huge schemes in their pipeline and have a look at what they're planning on doing. They disclose it. Local enterprise partnerships awesome look at these things because this is going to show you where an up-and-coming area is 
or where it's been earmarked that it's going to be an up and coming area and then get really familiar. But there is no wrong answer here. Whatever you told me you were going to invest, I'd be like, fabulous. Why is that a good area? And all you need to tell me is this is a good area because apart from that, really doesn't make any difference. I mean, there's a lot of people who would always say, Natasha, I don't get why you invest in Bath. It's expensive and the rents don't match. I love Bath. Oh, Andrew, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. So hopefully that has helped you with location. Please don't fumble over location or, or make sure that this, um, this holds you back. It shouldn't hold you back really shouldn't hold you back you just pick somewhere narrow it down yeah <laughs> great rugby culture down there that is for sure absolutely basket for a lot of things it's one of my favorite places oh <laughs> uh, yeah um so it's not for everybody but it is for some people matter do you think um do you not think some areas are better than others and provide better returns i completely think that yeah bath does not but provide the best returns definitely not but it provides very good capital um value increase uh so yeah better than others i wouldn't say that one area is better than another specifically it depends what you're looking for yeah if you're looking for the high yields and you don't need as much growth there'll be a certain area for you but what you can also start looking at is what's happened historically now it doesn't necessarily mean that what's happening historically will happen going forward but the one thing that you need to be mindful of that is that if there has been growth there's a reason for that growth what has generated the growth in the areas of the highest um the highest growth areas you know why is manchester taken off so, so, you know, have such a high increase in capital values. Why has that happened? Could you pinpoint what that is and then see if that's happening somewhere else? So yeah, different areas have different characteristics. thing of this evening that we have to let you guys know about because this is so, so important. Um, just before we jump into the Q&A, if this is something that you want to explore further with me and you do want to um, come and join us in the members club, um, I'm opening the doors for this this week. This is my signature offering. This is actually the only thing that I offer and it's asset management strategy through the members club. So every single week we get together and we have these discussions. They we have them up to three times a week and we discuss every single little thing about making decisions in your property portfolio. We do ask you to give us your goals so that we can see what you're trying to achieve. And we hope we then help you create the strategy. And at the moment, we're going through creating these cash flow strategies as part of the members club. And every single Tuesday in November and current members that are in here as well, we didn't announce this yet, but every single Tuesday in November, we are going to be going through building these strategies and we are excited about developing the asset management strategies and building this up. So what do you get if you join the members club and come and join us? 
um, three times weekly live Q and A's with me and you get to come to as many as you want. You ask the questions, we answer them, we have that conversation. Unlimited support from my team and I. Monthly masterclasses where we get experts in um, who come and help us. We did a lot of commercial last month. We did huge amounts of commercial valuation. So that's all in the members club last, uh, all in the members club at the moment in packages. Um, that was great because it was all about valuing commercial properties and how you go and find the rents. And then you finance these commercial properties, which was huge. So we can now find commercial and mixed use deals and add those into our property portfolio strategies. You also get access to all of the previous masterclasses that we put out. We will eventually go back to in-person networking, but for now we do it on Zoom. When we do go back to in-person networking, I cannot wait to see you all in person. I feel like I've missed everybody, but we still get together a lot each week to make sure that we are connecting with our property portfolios and looking at ways in which we can improve, what's working, what's not, how do we find innovative solu solutions. And I know, Lorenzo, we can't wait, can we? We'll both be there next time. We're so excited to see everybody in person. And we also have a very supportive community. And then we have resident coaches that come in. And our favorite resident coach is Mel, who comes in and she hosts our monthly goals and accountability workshops and achieving um, impossible goals. So it's all about jumping over those mindset hurdles because I know everybody gets them. We all attend and they are fabulous ways to start the month so that we can go forward with our goals. Oh my gosh, how awesome was that? Did you take notes? Were you inspired? Do you know what you're going to do next? I hope so. And you will have noticed that I've opened the doors to the members club again. Yeah, I have. Oh my gosh, the members club is awesome. If you want to join me and you're excited to come and get your decisions answered and wealth create through property investment, seriously, in the best way possible, having fun, doing it efficiently, making sure that your strategy aligns with your goals, head on over to www.ncrealestatememembersclub.com. I cannot wait to see you in the members club. Honestly, we are going to get on like a house on fire. I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast. I certainly have. It's been phenomenal. So much fun. Thank you for joining me today. Don't forget to rate and review this podcast so that more people get the goodness that it provides. Thank you for joining me this week. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.